0: The Mac Observers Mac Geek Gab, episode 599 for Sunday, April 3rd, 2016. <laughs> And welcome to the Mac Observers, Mac Cub, the show where you send in questions and tips and cool stuff found, and we share your questions, we share your tips, we share your cool stuff found, and we even try to answer your questions sometimes. In fact, that's what we do most of the time, because the goal is to learn at least three new things. Today, I'm setting the bar at four. I've had a little caffeine. It was suggested for show 600. I figured, why wait? So, four new things is the goal today. Each and every time we get together, it's at least three. Today, it's four. Sponsors for this episode include Smile at SmileSoftware.com slash Geek and their PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro products. We'll talk about those shortly. And Casper at Casper.com slash MGG, where coupon code MGG saves you 50 bucks and gets you free shipping and free returns on a new mattress. We'll talk more about that here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John Embrunner. Mr. F. Braun, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing okay. That's good. Just, just enjoying the snowfall. Yeah, that's right. So we what? promised. Uh, yeah, the snowfall. I know. I woke up to snow this morning too, and it was uh, it was in the, what the the maybe the low 60s, high 50s yesterday, and day before that, it was you know in the mid 70s. But welcome to springtime in New England. This is how it works. Hey, so last episode we said that we had to we didn't we ran out of time to talk about this uh, iCloud and 10.114 stuff and uh, and we don't want that to happen again so we're going to start with David and see where that takes us David take it
1: away Hey Dave and John uh, this is David from Kentucky uh, this is my second attempt at audio comment last one didn't work so hopefully this one will I had a question about. Uh, I got an issue with signing into iCloud and iBooks and iTunes on my uh, Mac Mini. I recently changed my password after upgrading to uh, LCAP 11.4, and now I can't sign into iCloud. I get a verification error, uh, unable to contact the Apple ID server. But the strange thing is, I can still sign into. Uh, Apple ID. Apple. dot com. I can still sign into iCloud. dot com, so my Apple ID and password are working, but just not uh, my Mac Mini and my user account that that I normally use to get into iTunes and then uh, you know sign into iCloud. Because right after the uh, password change, I, it prompted me to update my password for iCloud, and that's when I started getting the errors and noticed this this issue.
0: All right, and we're going to cut you off, David, because we have a similar related issue from JP that we're also going to play. And then we're going to talk about both of them. Take it away, JP.
2: Hey, John and Dave, JP from Los Angeles, uh, Mac pro El Capitan. When I launch any app that I've purchased in the app store, uh, the computer keeps wanting me to confirm my app store password. Can't get it to stop. Driving me nuts. I wonder if you knew of any library folder foo that I may be able to try to, uh, to get rid of this problem without having to nuke and pave the computer, which I have done on my laptop, by the way. It took me two days, and it eradicated the problem there because it happened to be on both computers. Interesting. So must have been something in an update over the past few months.
0: who knows? but if you have any idea I'd appreciate it. All right, I think that uh, that gets us there so uh, so and you know we actually have a comment from another uh, uh, person I don't want to say listener, although this person is a listener, and that's you, Mr. John F. Braun, because you ran into this problem too, didn't you?
3: I ran into both. And actually, the way I finally, I'm trying to figure if it was an iCloud meltdown or 10.11.4, maybe a little of both. But I had the exact same symptoms. Uh, I kept getting the stupid error. You know, there was an error connecting to the Apple ID server and went through the exact same thing. I could connect through iOS and through the web, but uh, all the stuff on OS X would, would not work. Yeah. It was bad. So I'm That's like, bad. Oh no, yeah. what? Yeah. And I tried fiddling with some entries in the keychain, and, um, and then took it to the next step to prove to me that it wasn't. Yeah. Cause so I, would, I don't know what it proved. Cause
0: I would I'm think like, that this is, is it sounds like a a certificate issue or something, right? Where, you know, because we know that a, uh, and I don't have um, the magic answer for this. Right. But we know that a new can pave solves this, uh, does a fresh user account solve it? And I believe the answer is yes. In my
3: case, it did. So I'm like, oh, "Okay, what do I do now? Well, let me, because I really got to get to my iCloud from OS 10. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm connected to a lot of servers. and uh, I mean, I didn't lose all connection, but on my OS 10 machines, yeah, I actually ended up, um, I decided, oh, what better, you know, what better time for a nuke and pave? And I did a modified one, and then I did, you know, uh, Migration of my user. Um, So here's what that did. So I tried a a user migration. Um, Okay, yeah. That brought the apps over, but it didn't. uh, I thought, well, you know, let me create a new user. Let me try to import first. Let me do a migration assistant. But that didn't work. I got the same error, which, you know, is lame because, you know, it brings over all the keychain stuff. So I think something was damaged in the keychain as far as I can tell. Well, that makes sense. And it could have done with them doing some certificate stuff? Because I ran into the other problem, too, where things would ask for confirmation from the App Store. A lot of those I found, if you just hit escape or cancel, it eventually will be like, oh, okay, I'll stop asking. This is dumb. <laughs> and it would just continue on with whatever it was doing. I had that happen, too. But the yeah. uh, the iCloud login thing, I couldn't... And, you know, the error was very specific. You know, there was an error connecting to the Apple ID server. Error connecting to the Apple ID server is what it would keep saying. And it was it was lying. <laughs> Well, no, in a sense, I mean, it was having a problem. But sure. It's like, why are you having this problem? Because if I create a new user in a new account, then it's you can good. log into iCloud. So yeah, I that's think I right. think something was certs and maybe the, the damage started to make it. Yeah, I don't know. I had this once before where I just couldn't get into iCloud via a certain mechanism. Well, there and, was, and was that. I was like freaking out and I was going to you know, call Apple the next day and say, you know, I, I can't log
0: in from anywhere. And then all of a sudden it just fixed itself. There was that thing, a couple of... Uh, what about a month ago with where that security update that got automatically pushed disabled ethernet ports for people, but also affected people's ability to launch Mac app store apps. But it sounds like this is not that at all for two reasons. A, um, the the symptoms are a little different and B the, um, the fix has already been pushed out. So it's, you know, especially in your case, it wouldn't, you know, that issue wouldn't have been there.
3: Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was nice to kind of start from scratch. So because I did a migration, all my apps came over, which is right. convenient. I didn't want to. So I did a, a, a modified Nuke and Pave because I did eventually create a new user, which resets a lot of things. We're finding out. Um, but yeah. So I set up, you know, pretty much new and I'm on a, not my final version here of the new
0: Mac mini, which uh, I found uses a special screw. Yeah, you had to uh, pop a new hard drive in there, right? You 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 updated to the S- SSD now?
3: Yeah, I pulled the one that they shipped it with, which typically their rotational drives especially are uh, pretty slow. not the greatest. So yeah. I, I put one of mine in there, and eventually I'll put an SSD in there. Yeah. But it's still uh, a lot snappier than the other one.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. That's good.
3: Yeah, but this T, uh, so I guess they call it TR6 screw. I'm like, oh, guys, you know, because I'm ready to take the thing off, and I thought it was a typo in the instructions, and I'm
0: like, wait, my bit isn't working, (laughs) because it's a new screw. So, But I'm sure in one of your iFixit toolkits, you had... No, I didn't have that one. You didn't have TR6?
3: No, that is fairly new. I think they started that with the 2004. Okay. I do have an iFixit kit, and I think it has every bit except that one, because it's just... It's new. It has a 6, but not a T. I don't think it has any TRs that go that small, because there wasn't a need until fairly recently. Is
0: TR I mean, the one with the hole in the middle of the Torx? Yeah, is that they what call it is?
3: security Torx yeah. as well. Okay, And I
0: actually found...
3: Home Depot actually did have some, but they didn't go down to 6. 6 is a very unusual size for that, that screw. Right. I did find places that had it down to like maybe 9. Security 9 and above. But um, but yeah, that's a Torx with, with the hole in the middle, and Basically, the screw has a post coming out, and if you don't have the hole in the middle of your bit, then it won't work. Then it won't work, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All the rest were, were uh, T sixes uh, throughout the whole thing, except for the hard drive screws. Those were uh,
0: T nines. All right, but let's get let's get back to so so this this has anyone in your in your searching for this issue um, has anyone found a solution that has worked for them? I realize none of The solutions, at least none that you found worked for you, John, but did you find anything that people said, oh, try this. It worked for me for this, this OS 10.11 for iCloud login issue. Not yet. I'll, I'll revisit it, but
1: man,
3: my case, I had to create a new user.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's an interesting solution. It works, but here's where you're, you're going to run into uh, potential issues. When the first user on a Mac uh, these days is given user ID 501, okay? And then you typically, the next user is 502 and and so on up the, you know, up the chain incrementally. Uh, so even if you have, say, John F. Braun as your username, uh, that's user 502 now on your new Mac, right? Because 501 was the first one you tried to get stuff working. It's, it's probably... Um, 502 and you can test this I think this is all I don't know where it is where can you where can you see the user ID is that is it just in um, you could say
3: advanced
0: in system preferences
3: yeah I'm pretty sure if you say advanced
0: if you go in and you user number really I don't know is that right yeah it's okay. in so, there it shows a lot of stuff oh that's so right if you right click on the user so. yeah right Um, so it'll show you user ID. So right click on it and choose advanced options. That's correct. Um, But here's where that can get to be an issue. If you are logging, uh, if, if you have an external drive with 501, you're five Oh one. Yeah. That's weird. With
3: this new user.
0: Huh? Well, then you, then you don't have this problem, but we're going to, I'll mention it anyway. If, if you have an external drive that, you've maintained permissions on and you have, even though it's the same username, if you've got different user numbers between two Macs, you may run into issues with, uh, with those external drives. You probably won't run into issues logging in across the network because you are logging in as a user on the remote machine. And so it doesn't matter what, what the UID is. But, um, but if you, if you're sharing external hard drives, that can be a problem, but it sounds like some, somehow, you lucked out and you deserved it after what you had to go through so that's good
3: yeah look it up my MacBook Pro, which I also did a rebuild you know, yeah like a modified uh, you know get a migration this one it's 505 so uh, so we'll see what happens okay. I, I haven't seen anything I mean it knows enough that I'm an admin you know
0: I'm mean, I well of an course
3: admin user
0: so you're 505 on one of your machines is that right?
3: Yeah, I don't know how it got there
0: huh interesting. Yeah,
3: well, you think they figured that out by now.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's just normal. That's how, you know, that's how Unix works, right? Is it, it, users, the username is only matters in terms of matching the home directory, but you don't even have to do that, that you can have the home directory be anything. Um, so it's, yeah, it's easier to track by numbers because then you don't worry about case sensitivity or really anything. It's just, here's a number. There you go. So, uh, all right. Well, if anyone has any solutions on that, we would love to love to hear more about it. I thought you had, I, I, I kind of expected you to come in with at least some, you know, things that you had uh, stumbled on. But it doesn't seem like, uh, that's no, the thing I is I haven't bunch. seen I mean, anybody.
3: Yeah. I created a new user. I looked at what was created in the keychain. I then whacked those things from the keychain on the other machine, figuring it was some sort of keychain related thing. But I was never able to figure out which of the settings. Uh, right. Would have gotten me there because uh, it was definitely related to the, you know, certificates and stuff. Because I looked at this when you create a new user, it creates a whole batch of things, and they have you know like the, the word ubiquity in them, which which yeah. suggests iCloud and and other things. But um, that's how I suspect you try to fix something like this is go into the keychain
0: and whack some of this. Sometimes, the, but the it could it happens. could be it could be completely unrelated to the keychain too. I mean, I agree with you that it it sounds like. But that could just be a red herring, right? It it might be a cache file somewhere that needs to be wiped out. You know, did you try like the Onyx caches and cleaning all those and, and any of yeah. that? Yeah, okay, some of that stuff. Yeah, huh? Yeah.
3: I hope so. That, so I think the two problems were somewhat related, but yeah, I. know yeah, I, I um, I mean, If anybody yeah. has any feedback on how to do this, or you know, I'll, I'll go back to those. I I think I still have. One of those accounts active on a uh older drive, let me see if it fixed itself,
0: <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: well, I was just spending more time reassembling my system because there's always these little things, even with the
0: migration. there always are the little yes you you think about the big things, but then you go to do something like this morning we went to you know do our Skype call for this, and there was a setting John didn't have and and logging into our chat room at Mac slash stream. John didn't have his settings. There's all those little things that you do semi occasionally that it's like, Oh yeah, got to mess with that. So that's, that's, but the, the, the flip side of that is you get a clean system to start with, which is handy. So there you go. And really, you know, I know you migrated your apps over. I wouldn't do it. I would, if you're going to do it, I would truly start clean and reinstall all the apps. It's just, if you're going to, if you're going to bite that particular bullet, man, chew the whole thing because why not have that benefit of only having the apps you need and always making sure that you don't have, you know, other issues. That's my feeling on it. It's really not that in terms of the pain Delta between, you know, the whole thing or just everything, but the apps, it's really not that big of a deal as long as you have the installers or can get the installers for your apps. For the most part. So. All right. So let's uh, let's move on to uh, premium listener Terry. She has uh, some questions about photos library storage and then uh, might circle back. And actually it's been uh, JP and David were also premium listeners. So thanks for uh, thanks for that. All three of you. All right. Uh, Terry writes, let's assume you have a 200 gig library on the internal hard drive of your Mac you buy extra iCloud storage and push the whole thing up there. If you have a 64, 128 gig phone and you turn on iCloud photo library on the phone and choose to optimize storage, I know, or at least I think that you can see the whole library on the phone, but how much of your library is actually on the phone in terms of optimized thumbnails? Can you choose which photos are included in those optimized thumbnails on the phone? Are you better off having separate libraries? Uh, one which you make the system library and push only that one up to iCloud. And now to make it even more interesting, what if the iCloud uh, or what if the photos library is on an external hard drive? Okay. So lots of good questions. Um, I'll ask them in, uh, I'll answer them in reverse order. The location of your photos library doesn't matter. Um, and you can have multiple photos libraries. That also doesn't matter. Uh, one of them, as as you alluded, will be blessed as the system library. And that's the one that's linked to iCloud in whatever form you choose. If it's just a photo stream, if you don't have iCloud photo library, or if you do, that's the one that that uses it. But you can only have one that's blessed. You can have as many libraries you want and you can have them wherever you want as long as they are accessible to your Mac. So you can have them in the internal drive. You can have them on an external drive and you can even have them on a, uh, like a NAS drive. And that works totally fine as well. So um, that's not a problem. However, your question about the um, optimized storage is something that has caused a lot of people a lot of grief. I, I actually put a, uh, I posed that question in our Facebook group because I wanted to kind of get the the hive mind going on it. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of, um, there's not a whole lot to it because you don't get to pick Uh, You can choose if you're on Wi-Fi or direct connected, you can choose to download um, uh, full versions of the photos. If you've chosen to optimize, you can choose to download full versions, but there's no way to ensure that you will keep full versions of those photos on your phone at all times. Uh, Some people have suggested that it would be great if you marked a photo as favorite, if that stored a full version, but no, it doesn't. And that would sort of cloud the favorite functionality. I mean, it would, it would be a nice workaround because it's a button that exists already, but it's not, that doesn't necessarily mean that you want a full version of it. It's just one of your favorites. Right. And, uh, and that might be synced amongst, amongst devices anyway. So, uh, so there is no way to decide the phone will decide if you choose to optimize storage. And this is true on your Mac too, I believe, but certainly true on the phone that it, you know, it stores the full version in the cloud and you can have optimized, you know, it's up to the device to just sort of manage the storage. And, and that's just the way it's going to be. And that's that. So I, I, I think we've talked about this. John, did you, I don't use iCloud photo library at the moment. I, I have, um, it didn't really serve a great purpose for me just because of the way I manage my photos. Do you, I know you upgraded your iCloud storage, John. Have you moved to iCloud Photo Library or no? No. Okay.
3: No, I did accidentally, so after one iOS update, it actually accidentally uh, activated it. Unbeknownst to sure. me because I had then, after that, taken a couple of videos, which take up, quite a bit of storage, and all of a sudden my iCloud yelled at me because I only had the 5 gig plan, and it said, whoa, you're running out of space, and I'm yeah. like, well, what's taking all that space, and all of a sudden, I see my photo library got huge because it decided to share that amongst all the devices and also use enough local storage where it started yelling at me. Sure. Like, oh, okay.
1: Right, right. Yeah, so that's yeah.
3: been my only exposure. I just, it, it doesn't, the model doesn't, uh, you know, I, I use the um, uh, photo stream functionality, I do use that that I find useful, um, totally but photo, oh, yeah, but, but the photo library just isn't isn't how I roll currently with
0: So I have a question for you about Photostream because um, well, I guess my question is, does it work reliably for you? I will take pictures on my phone uh, as one does. And then I'll look in the Photos app, and my photo stream shows a, a thousand photos in it, which is the maximum, and it's, it retires out the old ones and brings in the new ones. And of course, it, it shows basically the same. Fo- if I have just taken a photo with the phone, the camera roll and the photo stream, uh, the most recent photos on them, of course, are in sync because you know that that's how it works. You take pictures, they automatically get added to photo stream. Great. Then I launch Photos on my Mac. And it'll show me that I have somewhere between four and 600 photos in photo stream. And the most recent ones don't always show up. It's so much fun. And I have, and and sometimes turning photo stream on and off the checkbox on my Mac will solve that. But sometimes it doesn't. Um, and I, 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 I wish that I could, figure out the answer to this but i have not been able to so i'm curious if you've even experienced the problem john let alone found a
1: a solution
3: the only thing that occurs to me is that in the past they're actually technically when you turn it on on your ios device um upload to my photo stream says automatically upload new photos and send them to all of your iCloud devices when connected to wi-fi or at least that's what it says under ios or at least on this help page yeah so one thing i've seen is that if if you don't have Wi-Fi. You may not see your stuff, and that's not immediately obvious.
0: That- yeah, but my Mac has Wi-Fi. I mean, my Mac is you know directly okay. connected to a network.
3: I'm I, talking more where why you may not see what's coming off of an iOS device because I think it, it tends to prefer.
0: Well, yeah, but it, the iOS device is already reporting that that's in Photo Stream, yeah, right? right? And and if I go to my iPad, thousand photos, no problem. It's but most of my Macs will not see all of my photos in Photo Stream. Hmm. Yeah. And I've tried all uh, my stuff. i tried a couple of things at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's frustrating, but uh, so there you go. I guess this is a bit of uh, highly caffeinated geeks ranting today. So about the things that bother us. All right. So let's go through a couple of things. We've had some questions this week where um, the answers are, uh, more important than the question in terms of offering some tips. Uh, we'll start with again, uh, premium listener, Jim and, uh, and I'll, I'll summarize his problem. He had uh, two, well, I'll, I'll read it. It's, it's actually not too bad. He says, I replaced the optical drive on my iMac with an SSD. As the year went on, it began to fill up and I intended to move all of my photos to the original spinning drive in the iMac so as to free up space on the SSD. Very carefully, I copied all the photo data onto the traditional hard drive and then deleted it from the SSD, except for what I was currently using in photos. That is, I kept a smaller current library that I was using in photos on the SSD. Recently, while looking for some old photos, I noticed the only thing on either drive was the small photo library associated with my photos app. 130 gigs of my old photos had disappeared. Luckily, I had three backup drives, all clones, and I was able to get to the photos on at least one of them. I began to breathe again and restored the photos to what I thought was my user account on the SSD. But since December, I've been on several vacations, which is when his backup was, and had tons of new pictures I did not want replaced or eliminated. So I downloaded the old pictures as a separate folder. Not only did that folder, and here's here's where uh, the things light bulbs started going off for me. He says, not only did this folder appear on the SSD, but it also appeared restored on the original hard drive. So it's good that the pictures are back somewhere, but here's the problem. I have this huge amount of photographs on both and he needs to sort out. Um, and he really should. And I told him, so he should use power photos to, to sort that stuff out because that's the, really the only game in town to do that. But I kept coming back to this thing where He removed stuff from the SSD and magically it was gone from the spinning drive. And when he added stuff to the SSD, magically it was there on the spinning drive. And so I started to ask him, and this is where it gets interesting doing troubleshooting from remote, but I know a, there's, there's lots of folks that like to learn here and B, we also have lots of consultants uh, that go out and help people. And so I feel like this is an, an opportunity for kind of both camps here because it started to hit me. It was like, you know, what makes you think that you're looking on the external or not the external, but the spindle drive, the alternate drive in the machine. And I, I said, make sure you go in the finder and go to the view menu and choose show path bar. If it says hide path bar, then that means the path bar is already showing and you're in good shape. But if the option reads show path bar, choose it. This will put at the bottom of every finder window, the path to where that particular folder is. And this can be very helpful in diagnosing exactly what was going on with listener Jim here. And what was going on was Jim was doing something that makes a lot of sense unless you know that it doesn't. And that is he would navigate to his in the left, on the left side of the screen, you know, in the, uh, in the, the list of all the shortcuts there in the finder, he would navigate to his hard drive. And once he was on his hard drive in that window, he would click on uh, his home folder for that hard drive, but he wasn't clicking on the home folder for that hard drive. He was clicking on his favorite shortcut for the home folder in the left. And that was bringing him to his home folder on his built-in drive, which is exactly what it's supposed to do. But if you don't understand what that list on the left, there is that it is a shortcut list that never changes. uh, Then you, you would get into this exact scenario that Jim was. So, as soon as Jim enabled the path bar, then he was able to see that, oh, yeah, when I click on the home folder, it, it brings me to the SSD. No problem. And so he just dug through the, the finder uh, as, we, uh, as, as we are supposed to do and found all of his old pictures there, which then, again, he needs to use power photos to, to sort of bring together. But it's this interesting UI thing that because uh, so many of us are so used to it, it, it falls into kind of that quick tip realm. But, of course, it took a lot longer than a quick tip to get here. So um, it, it's just one of those things for for those of us that help people, especially if you're helping people over the phone and you can't see what's going on. Um, it's an easy mistake to make because it is kind of a weird UI thing if you, if you don't understand it. So there you go. Anything to add to that, John? I like it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: sometimes it may not be clear where you are. And another quick one, another way to do that is you hold down command and click on the folder in the finder, you'll see the path, including the drive. That right. That I do sometimes because, yeah, you know, I've run into that sometimes where I'm like, okay, especially now when I was doing my system swapping, I was like, okay, which, because I was trying to copy my data over and I yeah, want to make exactly. sure. And, and the thing is, normally in the finder, it's not entirely clear unless you do one of these two things. One, and, and yeah. actually, yeah, I don't have that on by default.
0: It's n- the I pattern on is not the on. It's not right. on by default, and it. I, I. I. mean, I feel like it totally should be. I mean, if the point of the finder and, is to find things, and it,
3: the status bar, I turn on as well. Yes, which usually reports the uh, number of items and how much free space, which is, is nice. It's really handy. Or yeah. some other things depending on where you're at. But,
0: yeah, the, I mean, the, the I, I get that, especially you know, I like on my 11 inch Air. Um, having two extra lines added to the bottom might be a, you know, something you want to avoid. I, I I still have them there, but I, I can get it where, you know, if your screen's compressed, but otherwise, man, you know, it's really helpful to be able to see where you are. So breadcrumbs. All right. So that was that. And then, uh, listener Brent, also premium listener Brent, uh, had a, another, again, another interesting uh, question that we were helping him solve and are still working on helping him solve, but uh, he was having an issue where it made sense. He had two processes that were just running amok, okay? And I said, well, take a look at him in activity monitor and look in open files and ports and, you know, and see if that helps because we've talked about that many times on the show. And I know that Brent has been listening for a long time and, uh, and I, I, you know, and I know he's heard us talk about that. And he's like, great. And then he sent us a, a you know, a, the, the output from that. And I realized, Oh, I've never really explained why this is valuable and why the output of it in a static form is not valuable or not as valuable. So here's how this works. If you, Go uh, in Activity Monitor and double-click on any process in the. I, I think you have to do it from the CPU list, but probably not actually. No, you can just double-click it up from from any list. So if you double-click on any process, you will get you should get three window three options: memory statistics and open files and ports. If you don't get open files and ports, it's usually because the process is owned by root and you don't get to see this unless you launch. Um, Activity monitor is root, and we will put a link in the show notes to a how-to of how to do that. It's it's fairly straightforward. You just type one command into the terminal and and paste it in, and you're good to go. Um, But once you've got this open files and ports, it's really handy because it shows you everything that the app has opened. Now, it shows you essentially in chronological order from top as the oldest to the bottom as the newest. So the stuff at the top can be interesting to see like what libraries and what fonts and you know all of that stuff uh, and what drivers are gonna be used for this app. But where it gets very interesting is at the bottom because it updates live. So if you've got an app that's doing something and you're not sure what it's doing, but you can see that it's you know chewing on the CPU quite a bit, take a look at the bottom of this because things might start changing here. And that's what I was uh, trying to, you know, imply to Brent to do without saying really any of it, because I realized we've never explained the use of this. So if you just sit and watch that, you'll see what's going on in the app and you can start maybe to get a feel for, hey, oh, I see it's writing to this, you know, log file or it's. I got this network port open because it's both right. It's you you see what files it's using and also the network connections that it's making. So it's very interesting to do this with something like mail or Safari, but mail is, is usually pretty good because you know, it's always doing stuff in the background and, and you can see these connections opening. Like for example, I can see right now that my mail connection uh, to, to Gmail is actually happening over IPv6 because I can see there's an ipv6 address at the bottom of of mail and now it's gone because the connection's closed. So it's very it's very interesting, you know, and you can learn a lot just by sitting and watching. So that's that's my tip for activity monitor for you today. So there you go. Highly caffeinated geeks for the win. Well, my tip for that
3: is that there's another button there that can help you get a different lens on the problem. So Dave's thing to if you see things popping up and going away, and if it's continually happening, that could be pointing to something that's having a problem. Mm-hmm. The other way is that there is a sample button. and What does that do? That actually runs a live sample of the process, and then it will show you via various views uh, where it's. Um, you can view it by time. So if something's taking up a lot of process, by using this extra feature, it lets you dig down a level and see what is taking all the time or all or percentage of processing. And it may or may not make sense to you. It could be some call like lib system, kernel, whatever, but it could also be something related to one of your peripherals or your network connections or a mail server or something like that. There's a lot of stuff happening here, but, um, but that's another aspect of activity monitor and just digging a little deeper that'll help you figure out what the heck's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I like that sample one. That's really more for developers, but, but yeah, you're but nosy. It, and you want to know where your stuff spending time. That's that. Uh, those, those are the ways to do it.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's fun. I, you know, this is, the, this is the stuff we love here. It's what we, uh, it's what we do. Um, we have some more tips actually from, from last week's, uh, last week's show, but, uh, or related to last week's show. But, uh, but first John, if it's okay with you, I would like to tell them about our two sponsors for today. Okay. Sweet. Our first sponsor today is Smile. SmileSoftware.com slash geek is where you go to find out about all the stuff that they have queued up for you as listeners of this show. This week, I get to talk about PDF pen. They call it the Swiss army knife for PDFs. And I think that's a great name for it because it's got so many tools in it and you just flip open the one that you need. You need to perform OCR on a scan document. Awesome. PDF Pen Pro's got it. You need to add a signature. PDF Pen Pro's got it. You need to edit the text and images in a PDF. PDF Pen Pro's got it. You even want to export in Microsoft Word format? PDF Pen Pro has it. Easy editing of OCR text from Scan Documents. So you scan something in, and then you can edit that inside PDF Pen Pro and then export it as Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, Microsoft PowerPoint, whatever you want. You can get a demo download for free at smilesoftware.com/slash geek. Combine it with their PDF Scan Plus app for the iPhone. And this is the easiest way to scan documents because you just use your phone and boom. It, it automatically detects the page and you just go. Now you've got it scanned. You bring it in to PDF Pen Pro. I scanned a 65-page uh, book the other day in, I don't know, three minutes. It's, it's, it just doesn't take any time. And now you can edit it right there inside PDF Pen Pro, export in whatever format you want. You create PDFs for it. You can even create PDFs from websites. This thing, it it is. It's the Swiss army knife. It does it all. Just go get it. SmileSoftware.com slash geek is where you go. You get it for free to download and play with. And then when you're ready to buy, obviously, back to SmileSoftware.com slash geek. And they've got a link there for you to uh, buy it. Check it out. SmileSoftware.com slash geek. PDF Pen Pro, your Swiss army knife for PDFs. Our thanks to Smile for sponsoring this episode. Our next sponsor is Casper casper.com slash mggs, where you can go to start learning about the very best mattress I've ever slept on in my life. And I've actually tried lots of them. Uh, I'm a geek, but I'm a really particular guy. And, uh, and so it's always tough buying stuff around our house because I, I have, you know, I, I like what I like. Well, we went through a lot of different mattresses. We bought special foam ones and finally we actually did before we heard about Casper, we found one that we liked and we spent like 1500 bucks on this thing. Now we have a king-size bed, Casper, 950 bucks. It's an even more comfortable mattress than the one we spent 1500 on, 950 bucks. You don't spend 950 bucks though because you get a discount of $50 using coupon code MGG at the link casper.com slash MGG. 900 bucks. And that's shipped for free to you. And you get a hundred night free trial, which means if you don't like it, they make the returns really easy. It doesn't cost you anything. They know that you need to test this out at home, not laying in your clothes in some showroom somewhere. So... They ship it to your house. 900 bucks for a king-size mattress when all is said and done with your MGG coupon. It's pretty crazy. 500 bucks for a twin-size mattress, but for you, that's 450. 750 for you, 700 for a full-size. 850 for you, 800 for a queen. And of course, 950 for you, 900. For the king, obsessively engineered, these mattresses are. And using a combination of latex foam and memory foam, they have just the right sink and just the right bounce. Totally risk-free trial, totally risk-free return policy. Mattresses are made here in America. You've got to check this out. Casper.com slash MGG, coupon code MGG. They made this geek really happy. And I'm really picky. I know they're going to make you happy. Check it out. Our thanks to Casper for sponsoring this episode.
4: Hey, John and Dave. I know you were recently diagnosing an issue with uh, the trackpad and the keyboard not representing mouse up or mouse down clicks. Uh, One of the ways I used to diagnose, is it a USB issue, is it a device issue, or is there a stray Bluetooth keyboard somewhere in the building that's uh, doing it, is bringing the virtual keyboard, which you can get from the keyboard menu if you've turned on in System Preferences, and that'll show you what keys are pressed. So I know sometimes you'll notice when you connect it via Apple on my desktop, it looks like the Shift key is always pressed or the Apple key is always pressed, and you can't do a uh, certain type of commands or control. This way it'll visually show you what the system thinks uh, of the option keys, Control, Shift, Command, or the other one I'm missing, uh, are popped up. Again, hope
0: that helps, and uh, don't get caught. Thanks, uh, thanks, Tim. That's, that's a good one. Um, I had totally forgotten about that. One, one thing I will point out, if you go to System Preferences Keyboard and uh, check that box that says Show Keyboard Emoji and Symbol Viewers in the menu bar, um, it also checks the box... On the fourth pane of that, called Input Sources, that says Show Input Menu and Menu Bar. So if you go and check that first box, the Show Keyboard Emoji and Symbol Viewers, and then immediately uncheck it, you will still have a new, albeit different, menu bar item that uh, that shows you the the keyboards and the that that you have uh, available there. It's it's sort of bizarre that it checks these two boxes without telling you, uh, but that's how it works. But um, in this menu, the first one that you, you pointed out, you also get the bonus of getting the emoji, um, uh, menu, which is, or and the emoji picker really is what it is. This thing's outstanding. Uh, and I think I'm testing here on, on Yosemite because for whatever reason, I still have not upgraded my, um, my studio Mac to Yosemite, but I really, or to El Capitan, but I really should, it's, it's totally safe, obviously. Um, I just need to get around to doing it. So, uh, I will get around at some point to that. Uh, but having that emoji menu is killer. It makes it really easy to add emoji. I mean, it's, it's even better than the iOS one because you can see more at once and, um, kind of scroll through. So anyway, I, I, I share
3: because it's here's cool. a fun place to look. Yeah. If you want to see what the modifier key state is or actually make them do a little something extra. Yeah. Um, I knew there was something in here. I haven't been here lately, but accessibility keyboard enables sticky keys. Okay. Well, it lets it modifies the behavior of the uh, modifier keys, but it also shows the state of them on the screen.
0: And I think, oh, that's it, another it way actually, to do it. Oh, it and yeah. allows you
3: to virtual, But I just uh, uh, I know that accessibility offers a lot of things that cross over into things that you may need. Like yeah. actually, this is something for for those of us that have keyboards that don't have LEDs on some of those some keys. Like for example, I don't know if caps lock is
0: pressed on this one because uh, it doesn't have a light. <laughs> no kidding. So I almost need a uh, huh? But that caps lock, lock wouldn't back. show with sticky keys, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. You're no. Right. Darn. But all you the have now. See, do you have a new keyboard there? Oh, I got it a while ago, Logitech. Uh, uh, but solar. you don't normally use that keyboard when we podcast because that thing sounds like a, a an aircraft carrier. It's like the full on battle mode. Because if you used if you. Click and clicked and clacked on that while we, while we talked, uh, we all would have been yelling at you months ago. So you must use a different keyboard like in the oh, chat yeah. room and stuff. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I had the verbatim, the full one. That's yeah, right. this is a That's Logitech. Right. You know, Got it. Which, um, yeah, the keys are very, uh, they're not hard. They're, they're soft keys. And Got they it. They don't make a racket. Yeah, right. Yeah, otherwise you would have heard it. Right, yeah, exactly. Because I have been typing. Yeah, the other one, yeah, I, I was just having problems with it. And this Got one it. is awesome. I mean, I've never seen it go below 100%. It's like I was fully charged, even though I leave it on all the time, so.
1: All
0: right. Um, and then uh, another tip from last week's show or related to last week's show, and I'm really glad that Chris brought this up. He said, uh, when you were talking about surveying your Wi-Fi network, you mentioned iStumbler uh, and uh, NetSpot, but you didn't mention that iOS can also do Wi-Fi surveys. The airport utility app on iOS has a survey mode go into the settings app on the phone, open the airport utility settings, turn on Wi-Fi scanner, and then relaunch the airport utility app. And then uh, he's right up in the corner. You get this very sort of rudimentary Wi-Fi scanner, but much easier to cart your iPhone around and see signal strength on things uh, than it is to cart around your laptop. So it it's the only app on a non-jailbroken iOS device that will do it because uh, it's the only app that, that I think is allowed to kind of peer beyond the, you know, and, and talk directly to the hardware, which is, it's part of the sandbox, but you know, it's nice that Apple sort of has their own way around it and lets us see that too. So, so there you go. So thank you very much, Chris. Good, uh, good stuff. Um, while we're on the Wi-Fi thing, we've got a couple of questions. Paul, has a very interesting one that sort of exposes some things that I wasn't, I really wasn't aware of. Maybe you were, John, and maybe we've talked about it, but I don't think so. He says In listening to 598, a listener said to go to the Apple menu while holding down the option key to open the system report. And then in the Wi Fi section, it shows all the channels that your Mac is able to use. In this section, mine says airdrop colon supported, comma, channel 149. Does this mean that your Mac needs to be on channel 149 for AirDrop to work properly? Or is that just the channel that AirDrop uses, regardless of what channel your Mac connects on? And yes, it is the latter. AirDrop will always use channel 149 for its uh, signaling and discovery. And there was an issue with this in, uh, in Yosemite. Uh, That Mario Chibara, who is like a Wi-Fi guru, he built actually built some great jailbroken utilities for uh, the iPhone and then has also done some some other great things. But uh, but he had a post about a year ago uh, about this. And the problem was that the radio uh, on the phone has to and the radio on your Mac, too, actually. Um, And this was more about the Mac had to go back and forth between whatever channel it's on and this 149 to look to see if there's anything happening with airdrop and that gets um it it would slow down he did a lot of tests actually and it would slow down the the um the wifi on the device because it couldn't be in you know one mode all the time it had to be constantly switching back and forth between these two things um so he actually wrote a utility for, again, for Yosemite that would disable this discovery. Um, uh, it obviously disabled airdrop, which, you know, you had to be aware of that you were doing, but it would make the Wi-Fi much, much faster. And we'll put a link to that in, uh, in the show notes, just cause it's, it's interesting. I reached out to Mario yesterday as knowing that we were going to have this conversation and, uh, and asked him if it was still necessary in El Capitan. And he because he's awesome, did some tests right on the spot there and said, no, Um, it's, he doesn't recommend it for the general users in, in, in El Capitan. Apple has effectively fixed the problem by shortening the amount of time that it spends on, uh, on that particular part of its scan. It's still doing the same thing. It's just being a lot more efficient about it. And he said, in a very general sense, he said, if you really want to tweak out your wireless, you can still run this utility that he, that he has called um, uh, Y fried X is, is the name of it. Again, we'll put a link in the, in the show notes, but, um, but he said, it, you don't need it with El Capitan. Apple um, sort of revisited this and, and tweaked the timing so that it's not, so, uh, so it's not, so, no, not really a problem for most people. So pretty cool though. Um, pretty cool so i I didn't know that that airdrop used one forty nine so I wonder if that means that we should not use um one forty nine for our wireless networks if we know that devices are going to be you know trying to also talk on that channel now here's the thing if you're using eight oh two dot eleven AC you basically have two channels that you can use in the five gigahertz range um One of them is the upper channels and it usually exposes itself as either 149 or 161, depending on it, but they would, they would overlap with each other if you're using AC. And then there's the, the other one that sits lower, which is like 36 or or 42, but again, it sort of overlaps everything. So, um, I feel like maybe with knowing that airdrop lives out there and there's this extra signaling happening at the upper range, maybe you should just use the lower range. That's, I don't know. That's my feeling it. If you get, if you have a choice, any thoughts on this, John? Or if you
3: want to disrupt airdrop, you can put everything on channel one forty
0: nine. That's true. <laughs> really get in the way. but this makes sense. I, you know, I know. No, it re- doesn't.
3: It's why? Why would you lock a protocol in, into a specific channel? I oh, I know why. I don't get it.
0: You have to. How else is it going to find it? I mean, if unless you unless you say airdrop. I mean, if you say airdrop's just going to happen magically with it. It, i know you know this stuff seems like magic to us right but it, we, you and i both know it's not right so they have to it has to know where to go to listen it's like you know uh, cb channels right the same thing you know i oh i need to am- announce an emergency well somebody needs to know which channel to listen to and i believe that's number nine right if my cb days memory is still intact right oh Ch- sure channel nine
3: but right? um yeah yeah, well, that's, that's still the case, mm-hmm. but um, no, it just seems odd to me why you would, hmm, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, we gotta you got to pick one because it's an option. I mean, I see it in the supported channel list, so that's why I'm like, well, why would you do that? Yeah, so it, I mean, it works, but yeah, as, as you pointed out, uh, your network will not be quite as efficient if.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. That's good to learn. It, it, Brian Monroe in the chat room actually has. I was going to type this to him, but uh, I'll bring it up. He says, I'm overthinking it. Uh, he says, use 149 for your Wi Fi or the upper range, whatever that works out to be. Airport will be fine with Wi Fi networks on 149. Um, I have always noticed that in my house, I get better throughput on my AC networks in the lower range than I do in the higher range. Always. And I, I, I never could sort out why, but same radio, same location, same everything. Um, the lower band always has higher throughput by, you know, uh, 20% maybe. So is this why? I don't know. Uh, but I've, I've definitely noticed that. And it's, it's reproducible with any hardware. It, it's all, it's always been that way for me. So, I mean, it's possible I just have interference from, some other source uh, and and that's unique to my location here that I'm not aware of. Well, I mean, it's, it's the force. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, (laughs) no, it's, it's totally possible. So, I mean, it, you know, I am a sample size of one in this particular thing. So, you know, don't (laughs) take that as what it is. Uh, do your own tests, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Thank you for that, Chris. Uh, Thank you for that, Paul. Sorry. Um, where are we on time? Oh, we got plenty of time. Look at us go. We got to have more caffeine more often. All right. Uh, we can go to premium listener, David. So David writes, uh, a couple of comments on the wireless episode. I was planning to put wireless video cameras in our new house and I ran a few tests. I was already experiencing issues with certain devices, not connecting to my five G my five gigahertz, uh, or getting hung up and forcing me to a lower mode at times. I had to reboot the router to recover. Another example is playing a movie on a wireless Drobo to my iMac streaming Netflix in the living room. If a backup kicks off, I see immediate problems. Or if someone starts a download on the Xbox, the same result. I had 26 devices connecting to my, uh, to mostly my 5 gigahertz radio on my Netgear Nighthawk R8000. Uh, including some Drobos for media drives and backups. Moving some of those to 2.4 helped to spread out the load. But when two or more devices were streaming, the network just couldn't keep up. Uh, I also can see over 20 wireless networks from my neighbors. I spent nearly a month trying to figure out the settings using NetSpot, using iStumbler, moving things around uh, to figure out what the best case was. And that's, that's, it's a lot of trial and error is what you've got to do. He says, I ended up running some Cat6 cable to stationary devices like my TV, my Xbox and my Apple TV my desktop computers uh, running through a 24 port switch and bingo that reduced the load on the wireless of course. But if you have any suggestions, I'm all ears Uh, and really that's the right answer. You've, you've got to sort it out and if you can run ethernet, um, it really is the best thing. And, and as, as I was kind of going through this stuff with David, I realized I I just need an ethernet drop from one end of my house to the other. So I, I called my electrician and I was like, dude, I've been meaning, like I've always said the next time he's at the house, I'm going to have him do this for me. But it's been like five years since I've needed an electrician. Um, and he's been able to run this same drop on one side of the house. I just need him to do it on the other. And it'll, it'll make it just things so much better. But, um, You know, and, and running those drops isn't overly fun, but David actually did his himself. Uh, It's, you know, it's really not all that difficult. I'm not going to do mine myself. I don't plan on it anyway, but, uh, but I'll happily help if my electrician wants, you know, a a hand with it, especially tying off cables and that sort of thing. But um, I, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's one magic answer. The other thing would be to, Um, if you can't do ethernet having, uh, kind of like what I've got currently where you have satellite routers that are, or satellite access points that are connected back to the main router over one, uh, you know, over a wireless link. I I used to do Powerline, but Powerline for me maxes out at maybe a hundred megabits, usually a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more, uh, My wireless maxes out, uh, you know, even across across the house on 5 gigahertz. Because it's AC, I'm getting, you know, anywhere between, again, the channels. But if using the right channel, I get, you know, 550 or something. I mean, it's, it's, you know, remarkable, the the difference. But here's the thing. Those radios are very, uh, once those radios get in sync with each other, they work very, very well. So it could be helpful to have those satellite radios broadcast their own say 2.4 gigahertz uh, signal and have your devices connect to that and then just have all of them going back to the main router over that backhaul and that can help to reduce the load because you're you're spreading it out amongst multiple radios is is what you're doing and I know it's all kind of going back through the same funnel but Uh, based on the way radios are, because we don't have this multi-user MIMO in place yet, you can sort of uh, approximate that just by putting more radios in place so that you've got multiple devices can communicate simultaneously uh, just by having multiple radios. That's, I mean, that's essentially a uh, workaround until all our devices get multi-user MIMO. So that's, that's what I'm thinking about, John. What about you?
3: I like it. My first reaction as I started reading this was, I need some hardware to help out here. Mm -hmm. And actually, my thoughts, fortunately, my coverage, because my place is relatively small, I'm pretty much able to get away with a single access point. Um, Sure. If I wanted to extend it, the thing is, the cable is upstairs, and downstairs is wireless. Um, The only thing I'm thinking of is doing a Mocha-like thing since that's already running through
0: the house. So I, I have a tangent to take us on, John. Uh, I'm going to, Mocha, be, of
3: course, being using cable, which as I mentioned, most people have that running through their house versus me. I don't have any cat, anything right anywhere. So, but I do have some level of cable running through my walls. So, so
0: here, so. here's the thing. I'm going to be able to test out Mocha mm-hmm. starting tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I, uh, and, and th- there's a tangent to this here, but I, you know, I got that TiVo bolt, um, Yesterday, I ordered a, a TiVo Mini, which is sort of the satellite TiVo It where, that will, you plug it into your TV, but you don't need to have service for it, either from TiVo or from your cable company, so you can save a ton of money. Um, you just buy this thing, Amazon has them for $112, bucks, and as long as you have a TiVo that supports it, it will stream either live or uh, recorded shows from your main TiVo to these satellite minis. So I bought one of these minis, but they will not connect wirelessly. They only connect either via ethernet or they have Mocha built in. And my TiVo bolt has Mocha built in. So I enabled Mocha on my TiVo bolt. And, uh, and then tomorrow when the, the mini arrives, I will plug that into one of the cat, uh, one of the uh, coax cables and, and we'll, uh, we'll test it out. So hopefully next week I'll have some speed tests uh, to report about Mocha in a 40 plus year old home. Nice. Yeah. But it's, so my tangent though is it's worth taking a look at your cable bill and figuring out what you're spending. Because I realized I had a bunch of Tivos, right? You know, we had the the bolt, but I still had the old Premiere that I had kind of moved around and, uh, and I really, but they had, you know, these TiVos had lifetime service. I wasn't paying TiVo anything. I was paying Comcast, uh, eight bucks a month for each cable card that I have seven ninety five, And one of my TiVos takes two cable cards and then two of them each take one because they're the, the multi-stream cards. So, uh, I had, I need one of them in the TiVo bolt, but that's all I need. And then I can move to these, um, the, these TiVo minis in the two places I need them and I'm not paying any monthly fees. And so it's hundred and really one of the places I didn't even need it, but I'm, I'm spending, you know, 20, almost 24 bucks a month, 23 and change uh, on these cable cards from Comcast. So yesterday it was like, this is stupid. I can make this money back in a heartbeat. I mean, in 10 months time, I've paid for the two TiVo minis. So I went to Comcast yesterday, I returned my cable cards. And so in, instantly I'm now saving 24 bucks a month on the bill. I also had some other stuff around from Comcast that used to be free from them that we don't really use. And now I was paying for those digital tuning adapters or whatever. Those they get four bucks a month for me. So I returned two of those. So I'm saving like 30 bucks a month, but, but 24 of it is directly from these, um, these TiVo, these cable cards. So I ordered the two things and then I sold my TiVos on uh, I sold a bunch of them, not all of them, but uh, sold them on eBay and made like another 400 nice. bucks. I know. Yeah. It, it, they sold instantly. TiVos with lifetime service, especially HD TiVos with lifetime service will sell very, very quickly because you cannot buy. If you buy a used one that doesn't have lifetime service, you can't activate the old ones anymore. If if you have it on your account and you're just paying for the activation, you know, monthly or annually, that's fine, but you can't move it to a new account. So Without lifetime service, those things are, are worthless. But with lifetime service, they're very functional. And, you know, you can always replace the hard drive in them. The the lifetime is with the unit. So it's, you know, if, if you replace the hard drive, you're fine. Um, so anyway, so yesterday was very busy, but uh, but profitable day in many, many ways. And, and I'll have these things to test. So there you go. So that's my little Mocha tangent. I'm excited, as you can tell. Probably. Nice. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I recently made a backup of my TiVo hard drive. Smart. Although the tests, yeah, the last one failed spectacularly. This one is actually a, uh, replacement for a WD that I purchased. And this is a refurb actually, or, or at least the swap out. And yeah. this is actually more, th- this drive is actually more reliable than the one it replaced.
0: Huh. Kind of weird. That's cool. Yep. Um, so that's what I got. I don't know. Should we, right, uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Should we move Moving
3: on? on. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll yeah. I haven't on. really done too much TiVo stuff.
0: Yeah. Those, like I said, if you've got lifetime service on an HD capable TiVo. That's what I got, yo. Which ones do you have? I'll tell you what I got for mine. I got the series three. Okay. The series three. So that's the only one that hasn't sold yet, but um, with lifetime service, you can probably get somewhere between 150 and 200 bucks for that thing. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, well, I, I mean, I know we spent five hundred bucks on them, but you know, when we got them, but that was a long time ago. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, or more with lifetime
3: service. Well, then, yeah, like
0: seven hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the right? thing's
3: almost ten years old. I
0: think. Yeah, it's probably seven or eight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, over engineered. But that's the thing, right? Is you know,
3: I should have included some. Some way for to speak Well, the hard drive is the way that it fails.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, well, the hard drive or the motherboard. Um, but if you've, you know, kept it surge protected and all of that, the motherboard typically is going to be okay. Yeah.
3: Right. And I think, yeah, the ones that I've heard blowing up, yeah, typically power supplies that get zapped.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and if you need help with anything, TiVo, while we're here, the company Weak Knees, uh, W E E A K N E E S dot com. Is, uh, is the place to go. So we'll put that on the list, too, and then, and then I think we can move on. Oh, on yeah.
3: Well, I like them because they have, um, I believe they have, if you look in their help, but they have the secret codes that you can insert, uh, that you can um, yep. punch in with your remote when the thing is starting up to make it do all sorts of Diagnostics. That, yeah, diagnostics and the little stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like checking your hard drive to make sure it's not about to fail. Because it did... When I did run their smart test, they said, "Yep, this is this is on its up. way out." Yeah. It's like, couldn't you tell me some other way rather than having me run the hidden diagnostics? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> of course, of course. All right, uh, let's see. Where are we here? Uh, now, now I'm now I'm all uh, I'm all screwed up, but that's okay. So um, I'll get there. I know it's Listener John, right? It is. It's Listener John. With, uh, with a question he said i know there have been a few issues with the new 9.3 update and of course now 9.3.1 is out but have you heard of this issue from anyone my wife's uh, my wife updated her iphone 6 to 9.3 and the next day her phone could not find a cell signal it just kept searching i tried the following i turned it off i rebooted it i toggled cellular i toggled wi-fi uh, since it's been a while since my backup, I backed up the phone as soon as we got home. Then I tried to reboot while plugged into iTunes. After all of that not working, I tried to erase and restore from backup. After erasing while it tried to load the OS, I got an error saying the phone can't be verified and take it to an Apple store. They tried several times to reload and had no luck. After getting it back, uh, it turns on to plug the uh, plug into iTunes screen. I tried a couple of times as well with no luck, kept getting unknown error. Three. Apple support page says several things like restart computer, et cetera. I found an article about restoring to a previous OS. So I downloaded 9.2.1, but I'm getting the same error that it won't activate. Uh, and, uh, he doesn't say what the carrier is, but Brian Monroe in the chat room is saying that, uh, if that phone is on sprint, there was an issue with the sprint network recently for this exact thing. So it's possible that fixes it. It's also possible that 9.3.1 might fix it. Uh, The other thing I thought about was starting the phone in DFU mode if you can't get nine three one onto there. Uh, Because sometimes DFU mode will kind of open a phone up a little bit more than the typical restore mode will.
3: That's my favorite. Is it?
0: Yeah. It
3: it has fixed power problems for me in the
0: past. Mm. Okay. Or at
3: least I'd like to think it did.
0: Right, right. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a
3: high correlation between my doing it and things getting better. Okay, or call it so.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's fair. You know. Um, so yeah, well, So hopefully the sprint thing or, uh, but that those are the those are the things, and I'm surprised. The, I know the, the he said the phone's out of warranty. Um, it's maybe six months out of warranty, which means it's six months from him being eligible for a new one. And um, you know, a lot of times though, if it's something that you can trace back to, Hey, I did this update. Here's this thing. A lot of times the Apple stores will take care of you. It's been my experience. So, or, or at the very least give you a, you know, the, the deal on a replacement. If, if in fact that's what it is, but I would try this DFU thing first. that, I feel like that's the, yeah, that's the trick. So, All right. Well, uh, Johnny, not to be confused with John or John, but Johnny, uh, has a question that I can't find. Oh yeah, there it is. Uh, I need advice about a reasonable set of earbuds for my iPhone. I've used Google in places like Amazon, but parsing the thousands of earbuds available seems impossible. Uh, I want a pair that meets my needs, which are in ear plug type earbuds, I don't necessarily need custom fit, but something that goes into the ear canal uh, that doesn't fall out. And I want the Apple uh, earbud style controls with volume up and down and a answer the phone button. And I want a microphone. Uh, finding sets with the Apple controls seems problematic. Often sat, sets la, lack some of the functionality and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this is, I, I'm always looking for, but I'm, a, I'm an audio freak. So I care a lot. About the um, the you know the the audio quality in the headphones, and so we all have our sort of our 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 needs when coming into these things. I really um, these days he was looking for something in in the fifty dollar or less range, and I'm sure you can find something. uh, I haven't found anything in the fifty dollar or less range that makes me happy in terms of sound quality it usually is about 150 bucks but uh i mentioned these ones before the grain audio um uh i guess they're just the grain audio earbuds i'm not sure there's another name for them i'll i'll put a link in the show notes they're 99 bucks and they actually have little wooden cavities surrounding the uh the earphone and they they say that that helps give it a, a warmer sound I don't know, because I've never tested their earbuds without wood because they don't make them without wood, but they sound really, really good. And they have a microphone and they have the inline remote. So and they've got a nice little uh, case that comes with them and makes it really easy. So for ninety nine bucks, you know, these are my current favorites. And uh, again, I'll put a link in the show notes. So that's those are my current favorites for a hundred bucks. You can't beat them. Uh, I don't know if you have done any research I don't I don't do a lot of like I'm not actively researching this because like you said there's just thousands of them but when I come across something that I like I, I I jot it down so that I can tell you folks about it so John do you have anything or not really no really don't do earbuds yeah right 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 eh, That's that's totally fine what are you if you had to pick a face and I get I, I get that it, it's tough for us to to stand here and say these are the best These are the best I've tried, but I don't try all of them. So, you know, you got to take what we say with a grain of salt. A lot of times it's just what we've been exposed to. So uh, with that in mind, what are your favorite over the ear or on the ear? Do you like on the ear or over the ear, John?
3: Um, Well, if I had to do in-ear, I I haven't used them for a while, but um, no, I always like the uh, Eddie Modic ones.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had for, so long ago, but you, said, nice. but you said you don't like in-ear. So if if you're on, although oh, no,
3: e- for in-ear, I I like those because um, yeah, they they happen to fit me and they cut out a lot of noise in the plane when I choose to do that sort of thing in the plane. So um,
0: yeah, yeah,
3: uh, that's but, the only but, recommendation of my book. But I I and I still have a, a pair and I use
0: them every now and then. But uh, that's not, not, not the question awesome. I was asking because you can't get the the model you have is like long discontinued, right? So the my question is, you said you don't prefer any earbuds, which is fine. So do you like on the ear or over the ear? And what's your favorite set of headphones these days? Oh, my favorite set of headphones are the
3: ones that I have right now, which are
0: the, let's see, G B L V T the, the S 400s. I think it's the S 400 BT, right? Is is what you're using.
3: Uh, S B. No, no.
0: You're right. I, Let me, it's, it's the S 400 BT. I'm pretty sure
3: S 400 BT.
0: Yeah. yeah. So those are, those are on the ear, not over the ear. And there's a, there's a subtle difference, but you'll feel it on My the,
3: ear is within them.
0: Yeah. You're, you're right. They're sitting on your ear as opposed to over the ear. The cups are a little larger and your ear sits inside mm-hmm. them. Uh, I really like over the ear headphones on the ear aren't, typically my preference but again it, you just got to try this out oh, okay but it, it doesn't mean that you know i mean it, it's just personal preference that's all
3: oh yeah yeah no they're comfy and they even uh and actually i think in theory though, though i've seen in the instructions but i don't really use it for that but i think there's a little mic in here and i can technically
0: use it with a phone if i wanted to. i'm pretty sure that's correct i'm looking it does it has but obviously they're bluetooth or maybe not obviously but they are bluetooth and um i'm pretty sure you're right about the microphone yeah
3: So, Cool. They showed how I could use it to answer calls and hang up on people and uh, and all that fun stuff. Um, That's really my preference. And then I use wired headsets around the house. Yeah. uh, I'm not going to make any recommendations there. (laughs) Right, right. I don't Uh, know if people even use wired headsets anymore.
0: Do you? Wired headsets.
3: Yeah. uh, For for one ear with a microphone for...
0: Um, calls around the house I tip yeah yeah i do yeah yeah i find it much more reliable because bluetooth has a weird delay built into it i don't like using bluetooth for calls it's uh it's too it's too disjointed for me i do it in the car because it's it's very very convenient obviously and much safer but um but around the house if i'm doing a phone call i actually use like you a plantronics over the you know kind of wired mm-hmm. headset and it's much much better yep yeah. Um, the, uh, one related thing, Tacky Ted mentioned in the chat room, he said, playing in a band. I wonder how your ears are holding up Dave Hamilton. Um, I have been wearing earplugs since basically about six months after I started playing the drums. Uh, I read an article with Alex Van Halen, believe it or not back way back then. And he said he had lost 30% of the hearing in his right ear and like 60 or 70% in his left. I thought, Whoa, I don't want that. So I'm insane about wearing hearing protection, both when I'm playing and when I'm going to see music, oftentimes it's much louder for the audience than it is for the band on stage. Uh, But, uh, but, and, and you can get, I have custom fit uh, earphones or uh, sorry. uh, 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 What's the earplugs and they sound great and they work really well. Um, There's lots of universal fit earphone or earplugs that sound good. And you can get them for like 20 bucks Highly recommend it. And in terms of what it does for your hearing, in terms of protecting you, uh, the last time I was tested, which wasn't that long ago, a couple of years ago, uh, I was told I still had the hearing of an 18 year old. So um, factor the fact in that I play the drums all the time. And, uh, and there, there's my testament for uh, my, for hearing protection. So do something, anything. It's very, very important for your ears and I'm trying to remember there's a dubs d-u-b-z I think are the earphone earplugs that um yeah yeah, d-u-b-s sorry uh get dubs Dot com. in terms of yo that's right in terms of um the passive just you know put them in your ear earplugs these have great acoustic filters in them they're very very comfortable and uh and they're outstanding sound so and they're 25 bucks so i will put a link there and they're actually testing out some active uh earphones that do some cool things with your phone and stuff to to tweak them for the environment so or for the environment that you're in not 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 the environment you know so we will uh I'll put a link to the dub stuff, but it's definitely worth checking out Um, that the, the most comfortable ones I've tried in terms of universal fits. So (laughs) there you go. Um, two, well, do we have, uh, do we have time? Okay. We can do, um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to talk about today, John? Like there's, there's a topic that we have that might get a little thing. So I'm, I'm thinking we can be done, but I, I just don't want to, you know, cut you off
3: no I think I think I got my fish shake out of my system okay so sounds far, I'm happy with the mini
0: yeah everything's zippier yeah now do you have an SSD on the way for that yet or are you going to uh, use that one from OCZ? yeah okay got it right now there's
3: a rotational and actually just because all the ports in this machine are you know the next generation of what I used to have mm-hmm. that, that in and of itself
0: uh, yeah, sure. Processor seems to be uh, yeah. Where are you in terms of processor? Because you're recording a, bra- a backup recording, and obviously we're on Skype here doing our uh, our audio. So fifteen percent, twelve percent. Oh, that's good, man. That's that's where it should be. Cool. Very very good. Or... Before... Yeah, the other
3: machine. I don't know why. Maybe a part of it could be that I you know did partially rebuild it, but um, before it, well, it was Core two, but it also seemed to. Really hit the processor for several minutes when that machine first started up. This one, not so much. Mm. Even when I was waking it. So yeah, I yeah, think it's yeah. just part of it was just because yeah, everything was you know current for the time, but that time was 2010.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Now, yeah. dude. Oh my gosh. 2014. Actually, it's interesting because this machine has AC and my MacBook doesn't because I got the last one. There. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's actually the most recent piece of hardware in the house. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> Cool. Within the
0: last decade. I know. <laughs> I know. It's cool. You're out of the noughties with your hardware. Right? Yeah. Because we had the 90s, and now we've got the the 10s or the teens, I guess. And, and then in the middle was the noughties.
3: Yeah, what's interesting about this one, so the hard drive is, is actually, I think, easier to get at. Um, but also there's a bear, because I didn't get it with this, but there's a bear plug for some sort of SSD. Hmm. So maybe I'll leave the rotational and then look into. Now I'll, I'll put a huh. two and a half inch form factor SSD. Yeah, yeah. But there's an option to put it in another one, which is yep. kind of neat. So the only fish shake I think with this machine for a lot of people is that the RAM is soldered in. But I got eight gigs, and to me that's
0: enough. Yeah, yeah. I think it. Yeah, I think it'll be all right. Yeah. Feedback at macgeekup.com is where you can send in your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found, whatever it is. We love to hear about it and we'll, uh, we'll take it and make it work in the show uh, or you'll hear from us one way or another. But, uh,
3: yep, I hear, I hear what they say that word on the street is that you want to send an email to feedback at macgeekab.com.
0: That's feedback at macgeekab.com unless you're a premium listener like many of today's callers were or t- today's writers or today's listeners were then that's premium at macgeekab.com if you want to learn about how to become a premium listener. And get uh, priority emails, and also just really help to support your two favorite geeks. Visit MacGeekUp.com, and there's details right there for you. Thank you to everyone that has uh, has been on board as a premium listener. We really appreciate it. Any one of you can call 888 Geek, which John is four three
3: three five. And if you got Wi-Fi calling, try try using that because it's cool. Because it is
0: cool. That's right. yeah, it, um, and I've got a, a thing now where it, it grabs the voicemail from that and automatically puts it into our Evernote, John. So uh, in a queue. Oh, no, look at you. I know, it's pretty awesome. So we've got them and it's really easy and all that good stuff. Yeah,
3: yeah. but I like the Wi-Fi. I actually saw it work as it should in the wild, in that it, it, it grabbed the it. Wi-Fi icon when my cell was down to one or two dots. Oh that's well,
0: good. Well done. Uh, that's good. Uh, you can visit us on Facebook, facebook.com. Well, it's facebook.com slash groups slash MacGeekGab. But if you want to get there, it's you go to uh, MacGeekGab.com slash Facebook, and that'll redirect you there. So it works out really, really well. And, of course, uh, we want to thank the folks at CashFly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you and our great sponsors, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Smile at smilesoftware.com slash geek. You can learn about PDF Pen Pro. Casper at casper.com slash MGG, where coupon code MGG saves you 50 bucks. Squarespace at squarespace.com slash MGG. Coupon code MGG saves you 10%. Gazelle at gazelle.com. Otherworld Computing at maxsales.com. And Barebones Software at barebones.com. All through the BackBeat Media Podcast Network. John, what do you have for us? Anything, anything, just something. Three short words.
3: Three short words? I got three short words for you. they don't get caught.
1: Made up.